feet. You're in the Nick Van Exedro, a Mavs Moneyball podcast. I'm Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyball.com, lead analyst for free Dawkins on YouTube, and the host of the daily Locked on Mavericks podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit, and of course, you can follow Mavs Moneyball at Mavs Moneyball. Welcome. This is the first ever Nick Van Exedro, a new podcast on the uh, new, I guess, Mavs Moneyball podcast feed. They're starting the whole SB Nation network. They want to do a podcast for every single SB Nation blog, which is probably probably a long time coming. It's probably something that needed to happen for a while. There's other networks out there. Obviously, I am the host of the, the Locked on Mavericks podcast, and so we have a whole network going over there. But now they're starting one for SB Nation. I'm excited about it, excited about Josh Bowe, Jeff Cooperstein starting, maybe some other people joining the fold. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. So let me just tell you, first of all, what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be different than Lockdown Mavs, obviously, because it's just me. I'm not going to be joined by anybody else. Sometimes I'll have guests every once in a while, but most of the time it's just going to be me. It's not going to be Isaac on here, obviously. And so uh, you're just going to have to deal with me. So for all the people that hate Isaac and love me on Lockdown Mavs, this is the podcast for you. But for all the people that love Isaac and hate me, this is not the show that you want to be listening to. (laughs) Uh, But what this pod is going to be is going to be weekly. I'm probably going to drop every single Tuesday. Uh, I'll go through the summer, obviously. We'll go through the season. Um, Maybe I'll do more than one podcast during the, the next season, but we'll see how that shakes out but this is going to be a weekly show and it's going to be very segment oriented i'm going to try to do break it up into different things not just going to be me talking for you know 30 minutes it's just a huge monologue i am going to have a monologue at the beginning talking about the big topic of the week something that, that comes up this week i'm going to talk about you know tanking or jalen brunson those are two probably the biggest topics for the mavericks right now so we'll talk about that uh, i'll do a beef of the week segment which is something that i used to do on the seeing stars podcast if you guys listen to me and Josh Dack and Nathan Kane and Chris Four back in the day, if you guys, um, <laughs> man, if you guys were listening back then, you are real day ones. <laughs> you were really right there for the beginning of my my career in this stuff. So uh, that's a, that's a segment where I'll just take a a beef that I have with something in the sports world, in the Mavericks world, or I take a beef that happened between two parties. So for example, the the Don Nobler uh, Patrick Beverly beef would have been a perfect. Perfect thing to happen during the beef of the week segment, or the Pat Beverly solemn measury, you know, kerfuffle that happened a while ago. That last season, I think that was that would have been a perfect thing to talk about in the beef of the week segment. So we'll get to that. I'll also probably do a Mavs Nation segment where I just look through the Mavs Nation Facebook page and just try to find the craziest things that I can find. And uh, I think it's always more fun to just pull it up and not have them pulled up. Not pick out the post before. So it's going to be a kind of a live reading through it. Uh, we'll see how that works. As, as as the rest of these segments, it's going to be something that I'm going to try around. This is a podcast where I'm going to try and do some creative things. I'm going to try to do different things, stuff that I don't get to do on, on Lockdown Mavs because we have to be, you know, we're every day. So it's the news every single day. And I'm, I'm bringing up the news of the day and we're talking about the big topics every single day. I'm going to try to get into different kinds of things on this podcast and try to make it different. So you guys will have something different to listen to than just the, the, you know, the lockdown maps, the, the rhythm that we've got on the lockdown maps, which is awesome. And it's great. I love it. It's been very successful for us, but I wanted to try something different with this. Uh, when they asked me to join the, the, uh, SB nation network, it's just a little different. Uh, I'll also bring up a stat of the day or a stat of the week, I guess, since it's a weekly podcast. So this week I have a stat about Dirk. And so I will bring that up and then I'm going to end every single pod, hopefully by saying one good thing 
There's too much negativity in the world. There's just so much negativity. And so we need to be talking about the good things. And I think that the, the good things that the Mavs do get overlooked. I think that they kind of die on the Mavs.com website. <laughs> they, they write all these things about, you know, events that they go do and the, the good things that they do in the community and stuff Harrison Barnes is doing and the stuff that JJ Barea wins awards for and stuff like that. And so I want to bring one good thing every week. I don't think it gets reported on enough by people like me that aren't paid by the team that are just covering the team. And so I wanted to bring that. So I'll, I'll have one today, uh, a one good thing that we'll end the podcast with. So that's what I'm going to do for this specific episode. Other episodes are going to probably look completely different. There's just going to be other things that I'm going to try to do. I'll do segments like, okay, stop where I get a, a news clip or a you know press conference clip or something like that. And I will you know, stop it as it goes through and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm here editing it myself. So I have lots of different, uh, I'm not kind of stuck to, um, having to deal with, with someone else. I can stop at my own time and edit a whole bunch of stuff in it. So hopefully it's a good format. Hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you have suggestions for a segment, I'm going to do mailbags. I'm going to do, um, I have an idea for a segment called Instagrammatically correct, <laughs> where I look up the, like the craziest or the most interesting I- Instagram post from the Mavericks this week. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do that every week because the Mavericks just, they're not super active on social media. They're getting more and more active on social media as they add guys like Costas. Costas is active all the time, or Tim Hardaway Jr. posts a lot. You know, guys like that, but those are not the most interesting guys, even though, <laughs> okay, let's just do it right now. Let's do Instagrammatically correct right now. This is the segment. I'll have an intro for it later. Um, Costas Antetokounmpo by the way, should be getting playing time with the Mavericks, especially in the state that they're in. If you if you win one out of your last 10 games, you should be playing guys like Kostas. And if you're not going to make the playoffs at all, then you should be playing guys like that. Anyway, Kostas Antetokounmpo and the rest of his brothers started a, I guess, the, a network. I guess it's more just like a YouTube channel and an Instagram page. It's kind of hard to, to combine those two and call it something. It's not really a network, but... Uh, it's called the Antetokounmpo's TV. That's what they call it, Antetokounmpo's TV. And they posted one of their first videos, and I think it's of their brother. It's not their brother Alex. Is it Thanias? It's not Kostas. It's not Giannis. It's one of the other two. I think it's – no, Alex is too young. I don't know. But it's a video of him going through all of his shoes. And, man, this guy has so much, so many pairs of shoes. He has them all spread out over the floor. He looks over all of them. He shows everyone, everyone all of them. And then – <laughs> And then he pans to the wall and he goes, oh, and you thought these boxes and boxes. And there's like, it looks like a shoe store. There's so many boxes on the wall that are stacked up. They're like stacked up 10 boxes high. And he was like, you guys thought that these were all empty and that that's where all the shoes came from. You guys are wrong. And he opens up all the boxes and there's shoes in all the boxes too. And he 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 talks about the video and says that that he's going to do a secret reveal of the Giannis one, which is Giannis's new signature shoe that's coming out soon. And he opens a box, and you just got it. You got to go watch it. So that was on the on Tentacumpro's Instagram. Uh, it's on Tentacumpro's TV, I think. I think it has an underscore in it or something, but that's what it is. All right. Well, that was a very long intro, but let's get into the first first segment of the day. First segment of the uh, Nick Van Exit Row podcast. The big monologue. The big topic. Let's talk about tanking. Oh dear, I've said too much. You sly dog! You got me monologuing! Alright, so the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks, are they are they tanking? Are they tanking? That's kind of a question that's been been floating around a lot. A lot of people have been asking it. And 
Are they tanking? No, because I feel like tanking, tanking requires more time than just the end of the season when you're not winning or when you're not making the playoffs or if you've already been, it's already been established that you're not going anywhere this season. Like, I guess you can tank the rest of the season, but they're not tanking this season. I guess it's just semantics at that point. Um, but are the Mavericks tanking? Signs the Mavericks are tanking. You see players get held out of games when they not, they you know, otherwise wouldn't necessarily get held out of games. We've seen Maxi Kleba miss a couple of games when n- normally he wouldn't really miss these games. We've seen uh, Luka get held out a few games, but even before, before you know the the all the trades happened and before the All-Star break, we saw Luka get held out of some games. There's potential that Luka get, could get held out of Tuesday's game. When you're hearing this podcast, it'll be Tuesday, and so he could get held out of the game against the Spurs. That's possible because of a knee situation. But what's the difference between tanking and just taking precaution on injuries like that? That's that's kind of a question because if the Mavericks hold Luka out, well, all of a sudden everyone just point at them and and just say, oh, well, now they're tanking. Or now they're tanking. Look, look, see, see, they're tanking now. I don't know. It does it does it really matter? <laughs> I guess that that's the whole thing about this tanky thing. Does it really matter? Does it matter if the Mavericks are trying to trying to lose games or not necessarily putting their best foot forward in order to win games? Does it matter? And I guess as a fan, you have to try and figure that out to yourself. Does it matter? Does it matter that Cuban said that they weren't going to tank this year and now it kind of looks like there are some signs that they are tanking? Does that matter to you? Does that matter to you as a fan? Because this question just keeps coming up. You know, it comes up in my DMs, comes up in my mentions. Should we be tanking? Should the Mavericks be tanking? Or are, are we already tanking? Why does it matter if they are or not? It's just, it's the way that it's, it's going to go anyway. The uh, the lottery is set up now. The, the chances are spread out a little bit more. And so this actually works in the Mavericks' favor. Um, right now, they have a 37.2% chance to keep their pick. If they remain in the top four, they get to keep their pick. And, and if it doesn't remain in the top four, so the, what is that? That's like a... 60, 63% chance, something like that, to not keep their pick. So overwhelming odds that the Mavericks won't keep their pick. That's what that's what just the num- the straight-up numbers say. Now, they only draft it once. So if you go on tankathon.com, hit the Sim Lottery, just did it one time. They moved down to seventh. Atlanta got the number one pick. Atlanta got the number one pick, and they get the seventh pick. So Atlanta comes away with one. They come away with Zion and somebody at seven. Who does Tankathon have at seven right now? Romeo Langford. That's an interesting guy for them. I don't think they would pick him. I feel like they would go some, they might go different than Romeo Langford. Um, but but yeah, so so for the Mavericks, this is about where they're going to end up. They're in the sixth spot in the lottery standings. Atlanta is right above them at five, which is kind of ironic, right? <laughs> the team that you owe your pick to, they're neck and neck in the, the tanking standings and if Atlanta wins some games, obviously it helps them them with morale and their team, their young guys to improve. But if you win some games and you fall below the Mavericks in the tank standings, then all of a sudden you're, you might be giving away your pick because you're giving them more odds. <laughs> and next year, the Mavs pick isn't going to be this good. If the Mavericks keep their pick this year, it conveys next season. And I think it's top five protected again next year. And so... And the Mavericks aren't going to be in the top five next year unless crazy injuries happen or they trade the guys again. If Porzingis does the, you know, I'm just going to sign the qualifying offer and be one year and then, you know, you'll have to trade me because you have to get something for me. Unless that something crazy like that happens, the Mavericks aren't going to be in the lottery again. Uh, They should be in the playoffs if they do everything right, if they play their cards right. They have $30 million this summer. You have have two superstar players that are younger than than 23 and you have this cap space. You got to... 
have to make the playoffs next year. I think that that just it has to happen. So for the for the pick in the tanking this year, if they convey their pick this year, the next year the Mavericks get their pick. So there's a little bit more riding on on the Mavericks keeping the, this pick this year. So should the Mavericks kind of throw a couple games here and there? Should they not try as hard? I don't know. The players are always going to try hard. That's never been a question. The the coaches are going to make their decisions to try and win games. Um, but I think Rick Carlisle has heard, and I we've seen some evidence that he's he's heard that the Mavericks should lose some of these games and try out try out some different guys. But it's not like we've seen you know guys like Costas and Daryl Macon average you know 25, 30 minutes in these games. They're not just throwing out their least experienced players and arguably their worst players out there to try and and lose games. It's not like they're doing that. The little subtle moves, honestly, if the Mavericks weren't in a position to tank and they made little subtle moves like this, where let's say that they bench Luka for a certain amount of time in the fourth quarter, or they don't play certain guys here or there, they play weird lineups, stuff like this. If they weren't in a position to tank where their draft pick would improve, wouldn't we all just be saying that Carlisle sucks as a coach or that, you know, wouldn't we be saying things like that instead of, Oh, well they're trying to do it on purpose. It's just, it's a, it's very weird that it's now become this conversation of, well, are they doing this on purpose? Are they being bad on purpose? Are they doing bad things on purpose instead of just, Hey, that was a bad decision or that was a mistake. Now I don't think Carlisle sucks. I just said that the, the, the narrative of the conversation would be, de- would be that way. If you were complaining about the things Carlisle is doing now with the team, but instead now, because they're in a position to tank, you're rationalizing it saying that, <laughs> saying that, that that they're doing it on purpose or that players are being held out on purpose. And that comes back to the question of what's the difference between tanking and just being precautious because this season doesn't mean anything now. They hold Luka out, does it mean they're tanking or they're just being cautious with his injury? Is the fact that Porzingis isn't playing this year, does that mean that they're being, does that mean they're tanking? Was that part of the whole plan? Was it, are they kind of blaming it on Porzingis' camp and they're, they want to lose some games? So they're like, hey, just, just sit out. You know, we'll, we'll say that it was on that you just wanted to get ready for next year. I don't know. So it's a big question, and uh, it's something that that we'll probably never find out unless Cuban goes on another Hall of Famers podcast like Julius Irving and tells everyone they were actually tanking. Uh, who knows? So uh, I'm not super interested in the whole, you know, are they tanking, are they not conversation, but I wanted to kind of talk about a few things there. And, uh, man, we'll uh, – We'll see how they end up, but it feels like this is the highest that they can go in the lottery standings. So 37.2% chance to keep the pick, 9% chance to get the number one overall pick and get Zion. Those are pretty good odds. I mean, those are decent odds to keep your pick. That's kind of the best you can ask this team. Before the season, if you said, hey, the Mavericks will uh, <laughs> finish with their the worst record besides New York, Phoenix, Cleveland, Chicago, and Atlanta. Before the season, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's because those teams probably all won a combined 12 games. <laughs> They're all terrible. All these teams are just so bad. Uh, Atlanta's proven to be a little better. Chicago has won some games here or there. It's it's wild how bad all these teams are right now, though. But it's not the, they're not the worst teams ever to all play in a season. I was doing some research for a video I did on Dawkins. It's the, uh, the video that I just did was uh, a, a deep dive five where I take a look at five stats that I found in the NBA. And one of the stats that I found recently was, was wild that this season, uh, there are three teams that have lost 20, that have a win loss percentage of 25% or lower. So essentially throughout the whole season, you have to win 20 games. You have to win 20 games or less to get to that 25%. Right now there's three teams doing that, uh, at that percentage. And 
Three is the most that's ever happened in a season, except for one year. One year in 1997-98, six teams had a winning percentage that were lower than 25%. The Clippers, the Nuggets, the Raptors, the Warriors, the Vancouver Grizzlies, and the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Dallas Mavericks that season all won 20 games or less. So the, the Mavericks in this, that was the last time I think that they were that bad, obviously, because that was Dirk's that was Dirk's rookie year. Uh, 1998 was Dirk's rookie year. And so uh, I just found that interesting that that was the last time that they were really, really deep into this tank thing. They were really, really that bad. Lost, I mean, man, you won less than 20 games that season, and there was five other teams. What a bad season to tank, by the way. <laughs> There's five other teams that are that bad. Never happened before teams being that bad. Uh, all right, there you go. That's the tanking conversation. There's a, I mean, it's going to continue on. We've been, ha- we've had this conversation for three years, but uh, let's take a, a quick break. And when we come back, let's do the beef of the week. I want to thank the sports writers for this honor. Hungry, looking for something to eat. Look no further than the Nolan Ryan beef of the week. I enjoyed the competition. The it was indeed an honor to face you. Beef of the week. All right. The unofficially sponsored beef of the week segment uh the people in the dallas area will understand the why it's called the nolan ryan beef of the week it's uh because nolan ryan beef is a brand of of cow um like beef that is uh, available in the dallas area and probably other areas as well but nolan ryan is a pitcher for the texas rangers the baseball team for a long time and uh i just found it funny as a name so it became the nolan ryan beef of the week on seeing stars and here it is it works like this i come up with a beef either that I have with somebody in the Mavs world, or there's a beef that that two people maybe have in uh, you know in the Mavs world or in the NBA world in general. And the NBA in general is where I come up with this week's beef of the week. After their awful loss to the Phoenix Suns, Clay Thompson gets on the mic and his post-game presser. And doesn't talk about their lack of shooting. He doesn't talk about... Well, he talks about these things earlier. But the thing that he brought up and the thing that he really wanted to get off his chest that was was not not asked of him. Nobody asked him. It's like, hey, how did the fans do tonight? How did the fans play in their uh, in their game tonight? How did the fans perform? He was not asked any of that. He uh, he went and he gave his, his, his answer about how he thinks the fans are doing right now. And I, I expect our crowd to be a little more into it too. Like, I know it's not the playoffs, but... It is our last go around at Oracle. At least you can stand up or something. We make a good play, especially in the beginning. We need that energy, especially this time of the year. It's hard to conjure up energy every single night because you're looking forward to the playoffs and that run. So we expect our fans to kind of, you know, bring that from the jump. To ask the fans, <laughs> yes, you can do the whole, like, hype up the fans during the game. You can raise your hands. I know that game ops people spend their entire careers their entire lives trying to get fans to be excited and trying trying to to cheer and stuff like that and it helps the team and you have you have places like seattle where they have the 12th man with their you know their nfl team and you have you know you know teams that are players and fan bases that consider their their fans a sixth sixth man and all this stuff and you retire fans as a jersey somewhere that uh, that someone did but to to put any of this on the fans that they weren't hyped up, that crowd would go crazy if you guys would go on a little run. If the Warriors go on any little run, and I watched their whole game against the Suns, they went on some runs, and the fans got got excited, and they got on their feet. The beginning of the game, Klay Thompson gets a steal. He almost jumps out of bounds, and he throws it back in. 
runs to the other end, gives it to, to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant flips it over to Steph Curry. Steph Curry throws an entry pass right to Clay, who's cutting on the baseline. Dunks, does a reverse dunk, and everyone gets on their feet. They call a timeout. The Warriors are all on the bench. They're excited. They're up like 11-2. to It's really early in the game. And that's exactly what he was saying. Get up, get excited. You should at least stand for us when we have a good play. That was a good play. It was early in the game, and they did stand. I, I just don't understand what he's trying to do with this. Like, what What was he? You just At this point, the Warriors, they're so good. They just have to try and point out things that aren't normal. Like, if the crowd isn't as excited as they normally are. And we're not going to get into the whole idea of, well, the Warriors are pricing out their actual real loud, rowdy fans, which they are. The, the team is just so good that, that normal people can't go and buy tickets for the for the Warriors. Go on SeatGeek, go on any of these sites, and look up what a Warriors ticket is compared to a Mavericks ticket. I mean, it's just insane. So I thought that that was unfair of Clay to ask the, the fans that come and play to see you that he requests and he needs something from them. Uh, Clay has a 100% approval rating across the league, but he just feel like he was off base on that. Nothing against Clay as a person, obviously, but it's uh, the fans don't owe you anything. <laughs> they don't. They don't owe. You, they don't owe you cheers. They don't owe you nothing. So there you go. That's the beef of the week. That's what I got. That's the uh, the beef so far. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get into some stats. All right, so this stat of the week is. A, uh, it's also from the NBA Deep Dive 5 that I did on Free Dawkins. It's a YouTube video. You can go check it out. There's four other stats on there that I'm not going to ruin, but this was the second stat that I brought up on this YouTube video, and I found it fascinating, just the way that the NBA has evolved. So, all right, follow me here. I know you can't see this on paper or anything, but or in front of you. In 2003-2004, that season, Dirk was the only seven-foot player shooting at least one three per game. He's the only one. He was also the only one in 2004-05 and in 2005-06. He was the only one. So there was three seasons in a row, he was the only guy shooting at least one three-point shot that is above seven feet. Before that, there's random guys, uh, Arvina Sabonis, Manu Bol, Wang Zichi, Nicholas Kittishvili. Those are the only, and Dirk again, uh, were the only guys above six, seven feet taking at least one three per game. So those are the only big guys that took threes pretty much is what I'm saying. Then it started to grow a little bit. In 2006-07, you got two, you had two guys, Dirk and Andre Bargnani. You had two again the next season, 07-08. You had four in 08-09. You had five in 2009-2010. You can kind of see where this is going. It's growing a little bit, getting some more. Dipped back down in 2010-11 when Dirk won the title to just three. It was Dirk, Channing Frye, and Bargnani again. Dipped back back down the season after that to just Dirk and Channing Fry. There's only two guys, and then here we go. Here's here's where it climbs up, and this is this is the fascinating part. 2012-13, there was four seven footers taking at least one three. Season after that, there was seven. That's the most so far. Seven seven footers taking at least one three per game. That's 2013-14. 2014-15, it went down a little bit to six. Then it moved up to nine in 2015-16. So here we are. We're in the 2015-16 season. This is three seasons ago. There was nine players of seven feet or above shooting at least one three. So in the span of 10 years, it went from one to nine. So it grew that much. The players that are seven feet or above are growing up. They're seeing Dirk, and they're going in and joining the league, and they're also taking threes. They're taking part in all this. So as it gradually went up, and then all of a sudden – this is wild to me. In 2015-16, it was nine. In 2016-17, the next season after that, it was 19. 
19 players seven feet tall or more shooting at least one three or more per game so a 10 player jump from 2015-16 2016-17 then last season 2017-18 it went to 17 players and now this season even without guys like Porzingis and uh, you know other guys like that there's 20 players the seven feet and above taking at least one three per game that's wild to me that huge jump so uh, it went from from nine to nineteen, and then to seventeen, now to, to twenty. So he kind of evened out here in these last three years. But that's just so many players, and so I was trying to figure out, okay, what was the big why why the big jump? Well, a couple of players joined joined the league that year. That was the draft with, uh, I believe, let's see, two thousand sixteen would have been the draft after Towns and uh, Porzingis. I think that was like the MB draft, I believe. I'm probably getting that wrong, but. I went back and I tried to look at, in 2016-17, what was the average age of those players who were taking that shot? And the average age was was 26. The average age of the players, seven feet and above, taking at least one three per game in 2016-17 was 26 years old. If you take it back all the way to Dirk's rookie year in 1998, those players, if they were 26 years old, would be eight years old when Dirk was a rookie. So literally, we're seeing guys Grow up. When you're eight years old, you, you kind of understand. You can remember things watching games. When I was eight, I remember watching, you know, the Lakers in the finals and things like that. I remember, I don't remember Dirk that year, obviously, because he was a rookie, but you just remember certain things. You, you start to uh, appreciate and understand basketball. Then those those guys, especially if they're playing, they see Dirk, they see what he's done for the game. They, you know, they're tall themselves. They start to add it to their game. And then when they get to the NBA, you know, Dirk is still doing it, and they also have brought this now to the game. So we're literally seeing the fruits of Dirk's labor and his influence. So these kids, they were eight, you know, some of them older, obviously, some of them younger. Um, some of them were, you know, barely just born <laughs> when, when Dirk joined the, the NBA when he was a rookie. So we've seen guys literally their whole lives watch Dirk, their whole conscious NBA watching lives watch Dirk shoot threes, be a seven-footer that shot threes, come into the league, and then do it as well. Now, obviously, there are things... The NBA is more accepting of players now that, that do this, uh, that, that shoot threes, but it's also because of Dirk they become more accepting of big men shooting threes. So I just found that really fascinating that you know that it jumped that high, <laughs> that it went from 9 to 19 in one season, just the NBA becoming more acceptable uh, or more accepting of players, you know, big, big men shooting threes and stuff like that. Uh, man, it's just wild. And now we have guys like Porzingis that are, that's on the Mavericks. You have Dirk still. You have Towns that's just an incredible three-point shooter. You have Embiid that's taking a bunch. Jokic, you guys like Laurie Markkinen who are just lighting it up. And uh, Dirk is just an influence. And you can tell by uh, by the numbers. The numbers kind of prove that he has uh, been a huge influence. So there you go. That's the stat of the week. And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's finish. Let's finish with one really good thing. Um, but yeah, let's just finish with one good thing. All right, so the one good thing this week is uh, something that maybe has gone under the radar recently, but Daryl Armstrong, DA, the assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, he has a foundation. It's called the Daryl Armstrong Foundation for Premature Babies Incorporated. This is from Daryl Armstrong himself, a quote that was posted on their on his Instagram. I want babies, I want kids to have a future and have a chance to make a difference in the world. And I believe we are giving them a chance. This foundation is, is very interesting to me because it's a topic that we don't really talk about. You don't really think about, but if you've ever met somebody, if you have somebody in your family that's had a premature baby, it can be super scary. So 
It's interesting that he has started this foundation. Uh, this is on an Instagram post from Mavs Care. This is probably where I'm going to get a lot of these stories. But Mavs Care is an Instagram page tells like a lot of the good stories about what the Mavs players and the people around their organization are doing. It says in 1998, Armstrong started the Daryl Armstrong, Armstrong Foundation for Premature Babies with the sole purpose of helping families with premature babies and other medical needs. On Thursday, this was uh, a couple days ago, so this would have been last week. On Thursday, during an off day for the Mavs before they play in Orlando Magic at the Amway Center, Armstrong received a glass trophy from the Advent Health Foundation of Central Florida, and his his charity is set up in Orlando. That's why uh, they did it before the Ma- the Magic game. Uh, he got a uh, a trophy from the Advent Health Foundation at Central Florida. Armstrong Foundation has donated over $1 million since 2002 to help Advent Health for Children and its programs that assist families with premature babies. It's a cause near and dear to Armstrong since he has a son and a daughter who are both born prematurely, which is, uh, man, it's a, uh, you know, it can be a scary thing for some people. It can be kind of just a normal thing if it's a couple weeks, but if it's you know severely premature, you can have some some issues, obviously. And so good for DA, good for DA taking a, a cause to his heart that he, you know, loves and uh, something that really affected him and going out and doing something about it. You can learn more about his charity, his foundation, and uh, you can also donate on the DAFPB. That's the uh, Daryl Armstrong Foundation. Uh, yeah, Daryl Armstrong Foundation Premature Babies. It's it's, it's the uh, the letters, the acronym. So DAFPB.com. You can find out more about his charity, his foundation, why it started and all this kind of stuff. You can read some more stories on there and donate to them as well and help this cause. So there you go. That's one good thing this week. And that's the first ever Nick Van Exit Row. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was uh, a little bit different than Lockdown Mavs. Like I said at the beginning, Lockdown Mavs isn't going anywhere. I'm not moving over here. Um, I'm not abandoning Isaac. <laughs> We're in that show for the long haul, but this is just something to compliment. It's something for me to try some different things. Obviously, you saw some different segments in this week. So tweet me at Nick Van Exit. Let me know what you guys think about this podcast, if you guys enjoyed it or not. You can always subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, yeah, appreciate it, guys. And uh, thanks for listening. You've been on, you've been in the, uh, the Nick Van Exit room.